With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free, 100% free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. It couldn't be easier. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, what's up everybody? Chris Trapasso here from cbssports.com. You are listening to episode 14 of the Prospect Podcast. Doing a late night version. I uh, had some scheduling issues early in the morning when I usually record the podcast today. It's Wednesday, December 11th. And today I want to talk about the edge rusher class in this upcoming 2020 NFL draft that after last year uh, was billed as this, and it was justifiably so, as this draft class loaded along the defensive line with interior players and then with Nick Bosa, with Josh Allen, with Cleland Furl. Um, it kind of seemed like it was unlikely that the following year's draft class, which is this one upcoming, would be able to match that group. I don't think it's as good on the interior. There's not an Ed Oliver. There's not really even a Quinnen Williams. Um, but the more that I've watched in this past week, and a little bit late last week, um, I've gone back to kind of rewatch or to watch more film of a lot of players because I'm it's kind of an interesting or unique thing that I do being a draft analyst year round that I'm writing about these players as they're playing games. So of course, evaluations change throughout the year. Um, I went back and I'm still in the process of doing so. Um, started with the edge rusher group because a few guys down the stretch I thought played a lot better than they did earlier in the season. And I think the edge rusher class, we're going to see a lot of players at that position go in the first round. Chase Young is the obvious headliner, but I don't really want to talk about him. You've heard enough about him. He is an elite prospect. I will be surprised if he's not a top three pick. Um, I do think Joe Burrow is going to go number one overall. Um, and I would be stunned if the next team, unless it's a team that desperately needs a quarterback, um, I would be surprised if he actually doesn't go number two overall. So I'll set 
the over-under for him at pick three because I, I can't imagine him falling any further than that. But I really want to talk about the other edge rushers that I think are first-round caliber and have really impressed me down the stretch. A.J. Epinesa from Iowa has a really intriguing matchup um, in his bowl game in a couple weeks against Austin Jackson from USC. And Austin Jackson is kind of this player, and I wrote about him earlier this week and labeled him as a prospect with a lot to gain um, in the bowl game against A.J. Epinesa because Austin Jackson, six foot six, 310 pounds, is this light-footed, you know, really good athlete for the position, not super strong. But I think Epinesa, what he showed in the last four or five games for Iowa um, was outstanding, that he got off blocks a lot better in the run game. His pass rushing moves were more effective down the stretch. He was borderline unblockable in Iowa's win um, over Minnesota. They used him a little bit on the inside. I think I touched on that in one other podcast, actually. But um, just to see him translate more of his power to heavy hands and his pass rushing moves were a lot better that he wasn't just relying on how strong he is um I thought was very important for him that last year he showed that a lot first part of the season there were pressures there weren't as many sacks but I thought his um the frequency at which AJ Epinesa um, created pressure down the stretch was a lot better than it was in September and October. And that matchup, I mean, you're going to be seeing two NFL players playing um, in that bowl game, and it's totally eluding me right now which bowl game that is, but it's Iowa-USC. Um, it's going to be a really good matchup, two pretty evenly matched teams, but that individual matchup between Austin Jackson, the left tackle for the Trojans, and A.J. Epinesa, um, maybe two first-rounders. I think Epinesa, to me, when I've regraded him, I, I was just a lot more um, impressed and a little bit surprised. I thought he was just going to be that player that relied so much on his size and his length and his power, listed at around 6'5 or 6'6", 280 pounds. So he's kind of like, is he a hybrid? Is he a D-tackle in some situations? I think he can play there. But on the edge, I, I was really impressed with the pass rushing moves and cannot forget to say this. I think he bends pretty well for being that big and being that large. His get-off is pretty good. Um, it's going to be a three-down player right away. You're going to want him on the field on first down when teams are more apt to run. Um, and not that his matchup against Austin Jackson is going to really fluctuate his stock that much unless he completely terrorizes him or Austin Jackson thoroughly handles him in that game but I think the flashes that we saw as a part-time player in 2018 really came to fruition as a full-time player in November and the early parts of December for AJ Epinesa he's probably cemented himself as a middle of the first round pick I think again a good performance against Jackson could help his stock a little bit and then obviously the pre-draft process but that's he's kind of the guy that when I watched him uh again I was like, wow, you know, he was imp was really impressive to me compared to what I thought and how I had him graded earlier in the year. Next guy, same position, edge rusher, Yatir Grossmatos from Penn State. Talked about him on a few other podcasts earlier this season. Um, not exactly the same kind of arc that AJ Epinesa had because last year he looked like one of those just raw but physical freaks. And I thought Epinesa was actually really, really good all season last year. Just didn't play a lot. Pass rushing moves were awesome. Gross Matos, though, um, was 
just not refined. He used his length um, and just his get off to his advantage a lot, but you didn't see a lot of counter moves. You saw a lot of the tackles for loss that he had where when he was the unblocked defender on a read option. So I don't, I'm not taking anything away from his 2018, but you have to look at the context of it that, you know, his high tackle for loss numbers were not strictly on him beating blocks time and time again. And, and, and that's the case with pretty much any defensive lineman. They're not going to always have tackles for loss that are these incredible individual plays. It's sometimes just no one wants to block them or they're, they're just not schemed to block them or they just, there's a kind of a miscommunication. So I think um, this year though, he, must have spent time in the offseason um, working on his pass rushing moves. He has a counter off his speed rush um, to the inside, to the outside, swipe move, swim move. Um, I think his get-off is a tick better than A.J. Epinesa. He's a little bit different in terms of his physical profile that I said Epinesa is listed at 280. Um, Gross Matos is certainly big 260 265 but longer a little lankier i've i've written and i've said on this podcast i think he can add five to maybe 10 or 15 pounds onto his frame which is kind of freaky that and i even said that he to me reminded me of watching miles garrett the year before his final season at texas a&m just that really long uh, kind of the perfect or the prototypical defensive end, traditional defensive end body type. But his get-off is really good. Uh, I think he collapses the corner very well for someone his size. Um, relentless as a run defender as well. So he's someone that maybe not similar to FNS in that he just played well down the stretch or a lot better down the stretch. He's just been good all season and made the step forward in his game that a lot of people were hoping to see from him because the physical tools popped right away when he was at Penn State. You wanted to see him use his hands better, and I think he did. And there's two other guys um, that I need to talk about before I want to get into one sleeper that I think could maybe creep into the back end of the first round or go early in the second round. Two similar players, Terrell Lewis. They're both in the same conference. Terrell Lewis from Alabama and Kayla Von Chasen from LSU, that these are your Sam linebacker, hybrid, vipers, whatever you want to call them, um, that they can drop in coverage, but you really want them just attacking with a speed rush around the corner. They play with such high motor, um, and they both, to me, are good with their hands. They Because they're so quick and so dynamic um, to the corner, they always are threatening offensive tackles. And that you can see when you watch the film of either of these two players, Terrell Lewis or Caleb Von Chasen, that the left or right tackle that's blocking them is hurried getting out to his kicks or in his kick slide to get to that outside speed rush. Terrell Lewis has a great spin move. So does Caleb Von Chasen. Can swim to the inside. Both have good motors. I think Chasen's a little um, bendier. He can dip the corner a little better, flatten to the quarterback. Um, but Lewis is a great speed to power rusher. So is Chasen. Um, so they're two almost similar prospects. I think um, any team that likes Terrell Lewis will like Chasen and vice versa. That if a team picking in the, say, late teens or early 20s or maybe even the back end of the first round, that Misses on Chasen will be really into Terrell Lewis. And they're both players that dealt with injuries earlier in this career. Were big recruits. There was a lot of hype about them. We saw them flash in super small sample sizes 
early in their careers at an, at both at illustrious programs, and then they finally were healthy this season. Jason got hurt a little bit, um, but nothing serious. Um, he did miss some time, but not really anything that's that's really going to hold him back. Um, they both have more eligibility, but they're both expected um, at this point to enter the 2020 class. And they're two just kind of what I think is almost the modern day pass rusher that you don't need to be six foot five and 275 pounds like an Epinesa or even a Gross Matos, but you can drop into coverage, you're athletic, um, almost a pass rush specialist. I think both of them for the most part, can hold up against the run at the NFL level. But, you you know, whichever team is drafting them, like I said, I think they'll both probably go somewhere from the teens to the back end of the first round. Those are the contenders. Those are the teams that are making the playoffs and feel that they need a Marcus Davenport-type uh, player to push them over the top to give them. I don't think you want either of those guys to be your primary rusher right away, but maybe after a season when they're getting into their second year in 2021, They've added some strength. They've added some weight because they're both a little bit on the smaller side. Then they're your alpha pass rusher, and they're good enough against the run that they're not a liability in that area. The sleeper that I need to talk about as well, Josh Uchi from Michigan. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I, I It's weird when I watch these prospects. Like A lot of times um, I, I'm watching them on DVR, don't have the volume on. I, I certainly watch a lot of college football on Saturdays, but a lot of it is, you know, I, I'm going to go back when I can watch the game, rewind, plays multiple times, and I don't really get the pronunciations. I, I need to have that down, but I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. He's kind of a smaller version of Caleb on Chasen and Terrell Lewis, that he's not as long. He's listed like around 6'1", 6'2", 240, 250, um, but he truly is already a hybrid linebacker defensive end. That there's times where he's lined up at like Mike linebacker for the Wolverines, um, but had a built on his production from last year and then into this season. A lot of tackles for loss, plenty of sacks. Um, went back and, and watched as many games as I could from him that are available online and that I have on my DVR. Um, he was really good against Illinois. Um, I thought against um, Iowa, he was really good as well. Um, he is super twitchy. His get-off is a first-round caliber. I, I, I don't know if the rest of his profile will be considered a first-round pick type, um, but his get-off is borderline elite, I think, um, and, and it's right up there with, with any of these other edge rushers in this 2020 class, the Chase Youngs, the Chasens, the uh, Gross Matos, that Josh Ushi really gets off the ball in a hurry. And what I like about him, what I really, really liked, and I would implore you to watch, watch him against Tristan Wirfs um, of Iowa, who's most likely going to be the second offensive tackle off the board um, after Andrew Thomas from Georgia. And he is... You know, six four, six five, three twenty five. Only a junior was super overwhelmingly powerful last year, and that continued this season. And Josh Uchi was going up someone that he had about that he was at a disadvantage by about sixty, seventy, maybe even eighty pounds, um, and did not let that really overwhelm him. That yeah, there were times, and I think in general, Worf's got the better of that matchup. But you really saw this speed to power, and and I would say pound for pound, that Uchi has better 
a better speed to power conversion than Kayla Von Chasen, than Terrell Lewis. Those guys are longer. They can get their hands into a blocker quicker and kind of control that blocker. But Uchi is just twitch off the snap, speed, and then a pop on contact that he was pushing Tristan Wirfs back into Nate Stanley multiple times. There was a few instances where he tried an inside rush and Wirfs kind of just washed him out of the play, but he kind of created or started to create what looked like this semblance of some pressure. Um, nonstop motor as well. He's super fluid in coverage. When you see him drop in coverage, you think that he's just a traditional off-ball linebacker. So he's someone too, like I said about Chasen and about Terrell Lewis, that almost they're the modern-day um, edge rushers. I think for a team that wants that wants someone that can maybe line up against a running back on a wheel route or just into the flat, maybe run with a tight end a few times a game, but really get after the pass rusher and truly be a pass rush specialist, maybe play 30, 40 snaps a game, um, and with the overwhelming majority of them being on second and, and third down. I think Josh Uchi, especially if he has a good um, combine, which I think he will, I think the three cone uh, is going to be a great drill for him. I think he's that's going to really show how well he can change directions and how fluid he is. His flattening ability, I talked about that with Chase and Ann Lewis, is outstanding. That he gets to the that pass rushing apex, that moment where he's contacting the left or right tackle and it's either going to be pushed he's either going to get pushed well past the quarterback or he's going to flatten that that's what i you know what it's kind of known as the pass rushing apex like where is this play going to go where is this individual matchup going to lead and a lot of times he just flattens very very impressively like i said i think that's too beyond his get off that's first round caliber um i think the three cone is going to be good for him i think the broad jump even the 40 the, that 10 yard split i think is going to be good for him so he's someone, he's going to be at the Senior Bowl. I think that will help um, to just let play or let scouts, let GMs, let draft analysts like myself see him against top competition in those one-on-ones. That's, to me, that's the best part of Senior Bowl week, that the one-on-ones for the receivers and the corners are fun, but like sometimes the receivers run these ridiculous like nine-second routes and they drop the cornerback and it's, you know, oohs and ahs, and, and that's fun, but... The one-on-ones, especially the tackles against the edge rushers, where it's really it's simulating what's very similar to what will happen in the Senior Bowl on that Saturday in late January and also on Sundays in the NFL. That's where you can really glean some um, of how fast someone is, how good their counter moves are, and I think Uchi is going to do well there at the combine or at the Senior Bowl where you're going to see his size and go, oh, he's small. Um, he's going to get overwhelmed by these bigger offensive tackles, but he really converts a ton of speed to a lot of power. So I think wrapping this up, because I want to be a little shorter today, because it's later, um, that this edge rusher group, I think, is really shaping up to be pretty top-heavy because you have Chase Young, you have you know a, a, a Miles Garrett-type body with a Nick Bosa-type arsenal of pass rushing moves. And then I think with Yatir Grossmatos, with A.J. Epinesa, the two kind of Sam linebacker uh, defensive end hybrids in Terrell Lewis and Caleb on Chasen, Josh Uchi, there's certainly Curtis Weaver as well, big, thick outside linebacker, want him standing up 
in a two-point stance and just has a great swipe move that he uses a lot, but he's very effective with it and has been good since the second he stepped on that Boise State campus. It's turning out to be a deep class too and not just uh, deep in the second, third, fourth round. I think many of these guys that I mentioned are going to end up going in the first round. We all know it's a passing league. You need pass rushers. I think you look around the league, you see that a lot of these really good defenses have a true, really good pass rusher and multiple that you have, you know, look at San Francisco with Nick Bosa and with D Ford this season in Buffalo, Jerry Hughes is still creating a lot of havoc and Shaq Lawson, their former first round pick has taken a big step forward. Matthew Judon um, in Baltimore has done a really good job. And I think Jalen Ferguson, despite that, you know, really bad pro day and uh, him falling in the draft, um, you know, with how productive he was at Louisiana Tech, He's been relatively good for the Baltimore Ravens. So the 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 real the true um, or a lot of the good defenses in the NFL don't just have that one guy. That they have multiple pass rushers. So I think the need is going to be there for a lot of those teams. Um, and really, after Chase Young, I don't know if any of these guys are going to end up going top five, top ten. Wouldn't surprise me if one kind of blows up at the combine and goes earlier. But I think it's a actually after what we saw last year with how much talent there was up front on the defensive line across the entire defensive line, I think we're going to see another really good class, especially at the edge rusher position. And I'm really excited to see a lot of these guys in, in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, at the combine, and just continue to watch them during bowl season and throughout the entire pre-draft process. All right, that'll do it today. I'm Chris Trapasso. Thank you for listening. This was the Prospect Podcast.